Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, listeners. My name is Kristen Floor. I'm one of the hosts of the Voices of the Cannabis War. In the past, we've had a host by the name of Eugene Fisher, who served 25 years of a life sentence for cannabis. Um, Today, Eugene will not be on the show because he passed away a few nights ago, I believe on the 7th, due to complications with his health. Um, As we know from him in the past on the show, he was having some liver problems and he fell. And one thing led to another. And our bestest friend to the world passed away. So now I'm doing the show without him. I'm doing the show with a good friend of ours and the producer of the show, Mindy Griffith. She's standing in for Eugene. Um, she's going to be co-hosting the show with me from now on. And she is is uh, screening the calls today. Good morning, Mindy. How are you? Um, good morning, Kristen. Um, See, this see. is really hard. Go ahead, Mindy. Sorry. No, I, I'm good. I'm just explaining to the guests that this is really hard for you and I both because Eugene was a good, very good friend of ours. We actually, you know, you guys hear this on the radio show every Sunday morning, um, but in order to get to the radio show, we we talk on the phone on a daily basis and we coordinate efforts to make these shows as best that we possibly can, Eugene, Mindy, and I. And, among, and along with that, we also coordinate efforts to help prisoners and we um, talk about things that are going on in our lives. So we're all very, very good friends. And Eugene, Eugene is kind of the balance of the friendship, uh, not just in Mindy and I's friendship, but in the groups and the things that we do together. Um, He's kind of like the person that you run to when you're having a problem and he puts perspective on it and he makes everything better. Um, So with that said, This show is in direct honor of Eugene Fisher. Um, So I'm going to tell you guys just a few things about Eugene before we get the show started. Um, Eugene Fisher served 25 years of a life sentence in cannabis um, for for cannabis. Um, He owned a shipping business, and he shipped a whole bunch of it into our country, a whole bunch of it, and he got caught by the feds. Um, He was released in July 2012, and he was uh, indicted in 1987. Um, in the 25 years he was in prison, he was an NAACP leader, um, with, along with George, his friend George Monterano. He fought to help other prisoners released. He was known as a, a jailhouse lawyer. Um, he's very wise, and he, and he um, helped a lot of people while he was in prison and when he also came out of prison. Um, so this show today, we're going to have some of his friends that he was incarcerated in prison with. We're going to have George Monterano, who just got released after 33 years. We're also going to have Craig Cecil, who was in prison. Uh, Eugene was directly trying to help Craig get released. We're also going to have his co-defendant, Randy Lanier, uh, Stacey Tice, possibly Billy Deacon, um, Carla, his daughter, uh, Nora Callahan, possibly Sherry Sicard, Amy Pova, uh, possibly Larry Duke. The list is just going on and on. It's going to be a very, very good show. Um, while we wait for callers to call in, we are going to play our first sound bite. Mindy has been working tirelessly since Eugene passed, trying to pull out bits and pieces of 
things that Eugene has said and done in the past on the show. So we have a few good things for you guys uh, directly lined up for the show. Mindy, is there anything you want to say in the introductions before I play the first soundbite? Okay, I think Mindy might be screening calls. So if that happens during this show, just please understand that we got a lot, 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 lot going on here. Okay, so I am going to play um, just one soundbite. It's called Life After Death. Um, it's really kind of, here it is. It's really kind of hard to do it because um, I had this downloaded and now it's not working right. So hold on a second. We're going to do it right now. Here we go. Eugene, life after death. Okay, hold on. It has to download again. You guys, we, we had a problem. What we were trying to do is get them right onto the computer, so all we have to do is press play, and it was right there. But that's not the case. It's in my email, so every time I click on one, I actually have to download it first and then play it. So I'm downloading it right now. Um, we're about halfway into the download, and then we're going to go from there. While that's downloading, um, we're going to see who's on the line. we got Tony and Adam. We have a listener. Thank you, Liz, for listening. We have Mindy. Uh, looks like we got another caller here. We'll check on that in a few moments. Um, but yeah, this sound bite—I—I I, I heard it and it just touched my heart because Eugene is. Oh, we missed him already. Here we go. Sure. Good morning, Eugene. Uh, good morning. Hey, good morning, Christian. Good morning, listeners. Good morning, Wendy. Uh, yeah. Um, the topic of the show today is real dear to my heart: freedom and. What happens when you get out of prison? You have to pitch yourself a little bit when you get out. You're not sure about if it's real. And uh, all I can tell you is it's so sweet to not have to tell you what to do when you, the stand-up counts, the lockdowns, uh, the prison food and all of that. I've been out uh, going on, and this is my end of my third year, I'm going on my fourth year. Well, it's, I'm back with United, reunited with my family. I've got myself a little place in Ocondo and uh, Tamarack, Florida, which is right by Fort Lauderdale. Uh, I've got myself two cars. That's a big, big achievement. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I have credit. And so on, and I, I, came, I came out broke, and uh, I've done different business deals, and of course I worked with the in, in advocacy, the advocacy work. My primary primary thrust there is with uh, Christian and, and Mindy, uh, and our radio show, and what we're doing to free prisoners. Um, I have a lot of friends still in prison, and I take calls and I try to help everywhere I can. And we're working at trying to get a lot of them released. I kind of look at this uh, Christian as life after death, uh, which it is. Right. Oh, okay. Which yeah. is, you know, you're, you're, they tell you you're not, you're gonna, you're not gonna get out. You're gonna, you're gonna die in prison, and then you're released. Some miracle happens, and you're released. And you know, they're miracles. Whatever happens to get you out. Right? Yeah. You're not on probation anymore. So you're completely I never was. I, I was. Right. They didn't put me on probation. 
They were so anxious to get me out of prison because of the lawsuit I had against them, which I would have won in court, uh, that they kind of literally threw me out. And they didn't even calculate the time I did it properly, so they threw me out saying that I had served eight more years than I should have based on the, the judge's order. All right, you guys, that was Eugene Fisher. Um, that was our hero. <laughs> a little clip of when he was here. Um, so, you know, he was real proud. Um, Mindy, I don't know if you you remember how proud he was that, you know, what had happened is, you know, he got himself freed because the government actually owned part of his um, resources and was making money off of it. And when he's able to finally have something to turn the situation around, he got out after 25 years. And um, after that, he volunteered for the Human Solution International. He was an executive director and also a board member of the Human Solution International. And he's very, 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 very proud to be a part of the organization. Um, He moved on and started VAL, the Voices of the Cannabis War. um, And we worked together um, as trying to get the voices out there, trying to get people to hear what's going on behind bars, because we felt as though... um, you know, we're doing all these, these things, but people need to know that that's what the holdup is. So, you know, he's inspired us to, to write about the prisoners and stay trying to get the word out there about the prisoners. Um, and he co-founded Val. In fact, Val, um, he helped us write a Val and I'm going to, I'm going to read, I'm going to read the Val to you guys later um, that he helped us write, but it basically says that we vow to honor our plant prisoners. We vow to honor their sacrifices we vow to do what we need to do to help them. So um, that was Eugene's main goal after he was incarcerated is to make sure that his time basically meant something by helping others. Uh, Mindy, are you there? I am. I'm really sorry. I bounced back and forth and trying to be co-host and and screener at the same time. Um, We do have a Miggy who is on the line okay, and he cool. would, he'd like to talk. Cool. Cool. Can Let's unmute his mic. Yeah, of okay. course. Hey. Good morning. Hey, Mindy. Good morning. Uh, what a heavy show. Thanks for writing that piece. You were, you guys, for our listeners, Miggy's a writer for a few different, a few different outlets, magazines, and Miggy, Miggy has been a, loving Eugene for a while and he wrote a beautiful memorial piece that's going to come out soon um how are you Miggy I'm good uh you know just you know a little sad I, but you know I, yeah how, how unexpected though <laughs> <laughs> yeah well we um I don't know what Kristen has said because I've been popping in and out doing the uh doing the screenings too, but as uh, heavy of a show as it is, and um, we just didn't know how not to do a memorial show and, and we're not able to yeah. do uh you know, go to the memorial there where he lives in Florida. So um, we wanted to give an opportunity for his friends and family throughout the country to have a space to come to, even if it's just on the radio. Yeah. He was an amazing man. I mean, really. He was badass. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he, he brought, brought life. 
he brought more marijuana into this country than than a lot of people, and then you know it got busted, and then stuck it right back to the government for screwing him. And there's not too many people who can say that in this world. No, no. <laughs> Live the life of a movie believed, almost. I know it. I know it. And he definitely believed in his honor. Like, that's one thing that he took with him no matter what and everywhere is his pride and his dignity. Because I did, I, I mostly so far, like, the, the, like, I don't know, the second he disappeared, I instantly started missing the wisdom that he gave to us and the, yeah. the good advice and the right direction he was always trying to point us into. No, he had a big heart. That, that was always uh, his, uh, you know, he, he reminded me of like a 60s civil rights person. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he was. was funny, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, always talking yeah. about brothers and sisters and the fight. I'm going to read, you guys. I'm going to read while we're on the phone with each other. Mindy, we've been talking to other prisoners here and there, um, and Sherry Sicard has actually talked to a few of them as well. But we're going to, I'm going to read a message from Antonio Bascaro, who was a very, very good friend at Eugene's in prison. Antonio is serving his 36th year of, I think, a 40-year sentence or something like that, or 50-year sentence. And um, he is an amazing man. Um, he's he's the oldest cannabis or the oldest prisoner in the Federal Bureau of Prisons, and he happens to just be in there for cannabis. And I believe Antonio uh, flew it in. Where Eugene Eugene put it all on a boat and shipped it in here, but Antonio flew yeah. it into our country. Yeah, they were really good friends in prison. And Antonio wrote to Sherry Sicard about Eugene. He said, Antonio Bascaro. He says, sorry for Eugene, and mainly for his family. Now he is in peace with the Lord. Please pass my condolences to his family and friends. We have to accept we have to accept it in the way that we travel sooner or later. And that came from Antonio Bastero. <laughs> um, that yeah. amazing. Oh, okay. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was just gonna say I think it's always amazing how whenever he was on a uh, was a new uh, uh, a prisoner or a new. Uh, you know, that come to highlight, you know, we in our vision, and then uh, he knew them. He just, oh, I remember that guy from, you know, he's in that shitty prison, the one that doesn't have the good uh, toilet paper or whatever the case was, you know. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, Eugene knew everybody. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, and I know that when he was when he was in prison, he got he got acquainted with the November Coalition, and with Beth uh, Curtis. He would send Beth Curtis and, and Amy information about other prisoners that were serving life sentences for cannabis and other other drug charges and try to get them help through the ways that he knew how on the outside. So, like, even while he was in prison, he was trying to free prisoners. Yeah. Uh, he had a big heart. Definitely, uh, definitely. Kristen, I'm going to be screening the next call, and I, I believe this is going to be Carla, um, Eugene's okay. daughter. So. I'm going to go oh, ahead and okay. I'll be right back. Okay, cool. Thanks, Mindy. Oh, Chris, well, do you remember well, that, what'd you say? I was going to say, do you remember when, uh, uh, when Randy Lanier first got freed and, uh, he called into the show and then Eugene couldn't talk because they were part ex partners. Yes, I remember. But, um, <laughs> That's weird. Guess, guess what? Mickey? We've got two sound bites that we're going to play when, 
when Randy calls in about their about them communicating. So we've we've got we're going to show that they regardless they they, they they couldn't keep these two friends apart. Oh, that's Randy yeah. right there. Okay, cool. All right. Well, Miggy, um, we're going to let you go while yeah, I get um, get Randy on here. We've got um, we've got two sound bites that we want to play for Randy. Um, let's see here. Okay, so let's um, let's put Randy on right now. And Miggy, we love you. Thank you for calling in and helping us remember Eugene. Love you too. We'll talk to you guys later. Thank you. All right, so Randy, good morning, Randy. We've got two sound bites here, but give us some, a second because we've got um, we've got a situation where we're trying to play play a sound bite for you, um, a conversation that you um, that you and Randy or yeah that you and um, Eugene had. How are you doing this morning? Randy, I'm doing good. Thank you. I'm doing very good. Thank you. Cool, cool. All right. I'm going to do this one here. This one's called, um, I'm downloading a soundbite we wanted to start before your interview, but we weren't able to get it all right. Here we go. Uh, for our listeners, uh, knowledge, uh, Randy's we're doing is reality show interviewed me as part of the show. And one of the questions they asked me was whether I felt uh, that I did something wrong. I was repentant of, of uh, being involved with the marijuana and so on. My answer was I did not feel guilty of any crime of the marijuana accusation. But that of course, I felt remorse for any pain I caused my family and my loved ones. And I'd, I'd like to hear, hear your reaction to that question. Um, thank you. I live my life with no rest. As you know, we discussed this before, and I have come to an understanding of remorse and regret. Regret Do you have regret? And 
as I've said in that interview, I've come to an understanding that there's a difference between regret and remorse. And regret is something when you do something and you dislike it about yourself. And remorse right. is is completely different is when you do something and you have remorse for the consequences and so forth that occurred. Now, so I have no regret for uh, the activity that Gene and I did. Um, it's it's over with now. I, we can't live in the past, and we move on. And hopefully, uh, society, the politicians, will come to an understanding that the plant has so many beneficial properties that it should be legalized across the board. Right, so, right. Sad For thing. Sure. That, sad thing that many of American people has to go through the injustices of the Justice Department and what they've established for society as being illegal. When there are so many other legal products uh, available, such as alcohol, so forth, tobacco, does many more, much more damage than, than the plant of marijuana. So I just hope that we all see the legalization across the board throughout the United States. Well, Randy, I just want to let our listeners know. Um, I don't think I introduced you. Is we're 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 struggling here. We had our, we didn't get our sound bites ready like we wanted to, and so this morning is the show has been just kind of like, oh, it's just been kind of wild getting it going. But I just want our listeners to know that you were you were Eugene's co-defendant and close close friends throughout the whole years, and you were there by his bedside during his past or you know just before his passing, and you were able to put the phone up to his ear so Mindy and I could say goodbye to him and we I want to thank you and Mindy wants to thank you so much for that um, I'm going to play one more sound bite before we let you go and I'm going to let you say something about your friend and then we have his daughter on the phone that we're trying to get on before 930 as well so um, here's you. one more and um, I'll talk to you in just a second here we go when you were smuggling it into the country were either one of you guys nervous or scared that you were going to get caught oh hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> Randy, Randy, don't you think the level of apprehension is as great as anything that you might experience in life? Yeah, it's uh, it gets your adrenaline flowing. That's for sure. We've had some uh, some great moments, Gene, (laughs) and uh, exciting moments, anxious moments, nervous moments, and scary moments. So. It was all good. All right, Randy. Um, I just I miss Eugene's voice so much. Um, it was nice to hear that. Um, so, is there anything you'd like to say about Eugene, um, your friend, before we bring his daughter on? Uh, yeah, Gene and I are brothers. We've struggled for three decades. In the U.S. penitentiaries, I'm just blessed that we both gained our freedom and were able to come outside and enjoy our families and our loved ones, our friends. And his accomplishments, he was a leader amongst people that just incredible leadership. And throughout the, the ordeal of incarceration, and I was in a couple of penitentiaries with Gene, 
seemed like a pass, but always they would transfer one of us, and then we would end up in the same penitentiary, Lewisburg Penitentiary, uh, Coleman Penitentiary. And every place I came to, he was usually there first, and I'd show up, and Gene would be teaching classes. He'd volunteer. He'd teach financial classes. He'd teach educational yeah. classes. He'd help many men get their GEDs. Not only that, he mentored them into a way of understanding how to cope in society and to be a better citizen so they don't come back through the revolving door. And I just can't say enough of his work within the prison system. And then when he comes out, he steps aboard the what you guys are doing on the, the voices of war, for the drug war, to help try to get the society to see that it's cruel and unusual punishment to give a human being a life sentence, natural death for marijuana. And hopefully no. we'll all see that come to fruition and the politicians will see that it is cruel and unusual punishment to put someone in a seven by 10 foot cell for the remaining balance of their natural life for marijuana. And I hope I can be of help to further these goals and, and have Gene's wishes come true. Well, we're going to continue with this radio show, Randy, and we want you by our side. We're going to try to have you like as a guest host with us sometimes so we can help, you know, get the insight that Eugene would have had on the show. We can get your, your help on it as well. And we want to include you in the things that Eugene was trying to accomplish as well. Um, we, we're going to be doing this show, Randy, for about the next hour and a half. So you are just welcome to stay and listen. We've got all kinds of sound bites we're going to play throughout the show of different conversations he had with people. And they're just so amazing coming up. And we've got his daughter on right now. We're going to bring her on. Um, but if you Thank can't you. stay on the whole time, you can call back if you want or yes. um, whatever you want to do. But I want to just thank you so much, so much for, thank you for, for um, being part of everything that we're doing. Thank you for having thank me you, on. Randy. And my deepest, my deepest sincere condolences to Gene's family, all his loved ones, and all his friends. Thank you. Peace. Thank you. We got George coming on, too, and uh, Larry Duke, I believe, is probably going to call in as well throughout the show. So you might want to just stay tuned. It's going to oh, be good. good. Okay, thank you, All right, dear. cool. Love you, Randy. Thank, okay. you. thank you. Love you guys. Okay, bye. All right, bye-bye. All right, you guys, we've got Craig Cecil calling in at 930-ish, and we've got his daughter on the line right now. So, um, Carla, um, this, is, this is Kristen and Mindy. I just want to let you know when Craig calls, he calls in right from federal prison. So we'll, we're going to have to put this on hold if he calls in. But how are you doing this morning? And I know you're missing your dad like crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So are we. <laughs> yeah, Thank so you, Carla, for calling me in. Yeah, my pleasure. I know this was important, my daddy. I was wondering, Carla, if you could tell us some things we don't know about Eugene. I mean, we know about his activism and things like that, but, and I know how much he loves you guys, but I'm sure there's lots of stories you have that we would never know without you. Well, you know, unfortunately, the majority of our existence with my father was him being incarcerated. Um, So it's hard to really, like, 
um, he made sure that we had a good education, you know. That was really important to him and my mother. He made struggled so much financially that when we weren't struggling that he wanted to make sure that we were okay financially. I'm sure that my sister and I got an opportunity to go and live in Europe and experience other cultures um, have a well-roundedness in that way. Um, un, I mean, begrudgingly as a child, but grateful as an adult, he insisted that we know more than one language. And uh, <laughs> so I um, speak Spanish and German now because of my father. Oh, how wonderful. Um you know, I mean, we, my sister and I, you know, we're recalling when uh, when we were little, he would take us to the park, and he would. My mom didn't really wasn't a park person. That's not you no know, part of her culture. But he would take us to the park and put us on the swings, and you know, and uh, push us, and you know, play with us that way. And um, you know, he loved going. He loved going, you know, to the pool and playing with us in the pool as kids. I mean, I don't know. It's kind of hard. My 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 brain is so boggled these days that, ladies, honestly, it's kind of hard to really. We're struggling with the same of... thing, and I can't even imagine how much and more amplified for you that must be. But we're, I feel like a deer in headlights myself. Yeah. And, yeah, I can think and, of a thousand know, wonderful things to say about him, and yet I can't quite get him to come out of my mouth. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, um, you know, I mean, Carla, I just want to, I just want to say, you know, I, I lost my dad, um, and regardless of the whole cannabis thing and the movement and everything that that your dad accomplished and did for our country and did for for all of us. I, I just know your pain, and I know what it's like to not have your dad, and I really feel your I pain. I appreciate that. And let me tell you something. Yeah. Your dad, he held me through my pain with my own dad, and that's, oh, I'm glad. that's how I know he's there for you. And that's how I know your yeah. dad's, like, your dad's spirit was so alive. And his body just broke down, but your dad's spirit yeah. is still there. And you guys, we got Craig Cecil calling in right now, and this was a prisoner that Eugene was trying to help. I'm going to answer it and bring him on. Hold on just a second. Yeah, absolutely. Hold on. Oh. I'm sorry, listeners. We don't usually leave it dead air when we're waiting for Craig. I just am freezing and taking a break. Um, This is Kristen and Mindy, and I know you've heard through the grapevine that um, our dearest friends who are world have passed away. We have his daughter on the line, Carla, and you, and we're having this memorial show for him. Um, And we're just wondering how you're feeling and how you're doing. Good, good. As you know, uh, Gene was uh, an incredible inspiration for me, and uh, 
you can imagine that because we're both sentenced to life for pot. But Gene kept fighting and fighting and fighting for 25 years until he got himself free. So I keep that, you know, in my heart, in my mind every day is, you know, I've, I'm in my 15th year. So, I mean, I'm, I'm well behind where Gene was, but uh, I'm still, you know, very much a, of a mind that, you know, he fought and fought and it, although it took him 25 years, he did manage to secure his freedom. And that is such an inspiration to me and so many others that, you know, are serving those kinds of crazy sentences. Yeah, we've got messages from prisoners, uh, quite a few prisoners, about his passing, and they're just they're just really missing him as well. And there's there's so many prisoners leave prison making all kinds of promises of what they're going to do to reach back and help those of us left behind. I mean, we we hear that virtually every day, you know, and uh, and. The, there's actually a very small number of people that do, you know, people like, like Jean, like Amy, like Stephanie. Uh, but, you know, I mean, look at all that Jean did day in, day out to help us for, you know, the, the few years that he was out working that helped put together the human solution, looking to, you know, putting together the, the POW uh, show. I mean, all the different things that he you know, just devoted himself, you know, to helping us and reaching back and helping those of us that were left behind. He was an amazing man for that. That's, that's one of the things Craig admired him most is that he didn't forget about, forget about anybody. He had the big heart. Like, he, he took his own time out of his own life to make sure that his friends and the other people were not forgotten. And that's one of the things that I just admire about that man so much. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, you you just have to have to celebrate his life, I guess, at this point. This is, I mean, I'm I'm angry he's not still here on the phone line, but I I think we can both be sure he's listening. <laughs> I know. I feel like that too. Like, <laughs> I feel like he's trying to tell us he's okay, and it's not that tough, and that you know. Doesn't have any liver pumps anymore. I remember um, on the show. I, I know you're only on it for 15 minutes, but there for a while he was on the show talking about how he needed a liver, a uh, kidney, and um, kidney. he got a kidney. Somebody donated him a kidney, but it didn't work out in the way that it was supposed to. But um, it was kind heart. Like people wanted to be kind back to him because he he would have he would have given one of his kidneys to somebody and. He was given a kidney from somebody. So, like, that's mm-hmm. another thing that was really awesome is his activism led to that kidney. Um, I believe somebody that mm-hmm. was in prison with him um, donated mm-hmm. it. That, that, mm-hmm. was like, oh. mm-hmm. that, that is, you know, a reflection of his actions, that he can inspire people to do, you know, so much as, you know, as he has, you know, with you two and, and so many others to, inspire so many people to help us and to, you know, and to put our cause out there in front of people so that there is a chance that the laws can change, that, you know, prosecutions can change, and so much, you know, and so much change can come to to help so many. And Gene was behind so much of that. Right. 
Yeah. Right. I know. I just, I'm just, you know, like, it, it, we're going to keep going because he didn't want us to go, but it's really going to be hard to imagine, like, going without him. Like, I'm already missing him. Like, the second he fell and we found out that he was hurt, I started missing him. So it's, it's going to be really tough. tough. But I know we have so much so much stuff that he has said and so many things that he has said on the radio so that all we have to do is go back and listen to his show and listen to his Yes, I mean, just just you guys doing the show and all that carries on his legacy, carries on his, you know, actions. Because, uh, you know, he was a catalyst in, in a lot of that and putting things together, keeping them together. You know. Right. Um, he so was more of a catalyst for that. I was I'm just going to say that he he was more of a catalyst for that than people even realized behind the scenes. I don't know how many times he told, because we were kind of like a little mini family, you know, and Kristen and I every once in a while might bicker a little bit like sisters. And he was always telling us, girls, would you just get along, please? Girls, we don't, we don't have time for you guys not to see eye to eye. He was, he was definitely the peacemaker, for sure. He, he was the adult in the room. <laughs> 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 but the, the other thing is, is uh, the federal prison system is, you know, really kind of a small insular world. So I've met people that have known Gene, you know, from serving time at other prisons uh, with him and all that. And, I have yet to hear somebody say anything, you know, um, negative about, about Gene at all. So, I mean, that, that says a lot that he he garnered the same respect, you know, in the prison system when he was still in the prison system. Right. So how are you doing, Craig? How are you holding up behind prison this week? Well, prison hasn't changed much. <laughs> so... um. <laughs> Really, the, we've been doing well. That it, It's been a bit warm out, and um, as you know, the, this whole prison, you know, when it's warm outside, it's hot in here. <laughs> but, uh, we're going to weather that. We're, we're going to make the best of it. Um, I've heard some hope of, uh, you know, that hopefully that the uh, clemency market will speed up a little bit. There's talks of hopefully more clemencies towards the end of this month being uh, handed down. Um, so that that's exciting a lot of people for that possibility. Yeah. This call is from a federal prison. Well, just hopefully the, the pardon attorney's office will be able to process, a, you know, at least a lot of the deluge of uh, petitions that they're receiving. The last I heard, I think they had like 11,000 of them, to, you know, to, to process and consider. And then... Right. That went from 3,000 last year. So we're, we are hoping because this administration uh, does seem to be fairly devoted to uh, clemencies. Maybe not as devoted as we'd like, but they're they're definitely more devoted than the office of the president has been. So, uh, you know, we're we're excited, and I'm excited about the you know the possibility that. My petition will be processed, and that mine will get a uh, a positive result. <laughs> yeah, we have um, Amy coming on in a little bit. She was on last week's Our People program, 
and she's going to be coming on a little bit to say, you know, rest in peace. We'll ask her a little bit about what's going on so we'll listen to know what's going on with the with middle for someone to take That would be good. That would be good because, as you know, Amy has contacts, you know, uh, from that office and, and keeps very, very active in that. So she's she's my expert if I ever need to know something about the office <laughs> of the park attorney. I'm sorry, say again. Were you in prison when the razor wire was out? I still didn't understand. Those connections very bad. Were you in prison when the razor wire was out? out? Yes, yes, I'm very familiar with that publication. Yeah, so Nora Hallahan, you know, that was one of Eugene's favorite publications while he was in prison. And she's going to call him soon as well. Uh, Eugene met Nora, who who put that that uh, that out, that publication out, and she'll be calling to the show later on this this, this afternoon, yeah, later on this morning too. That's fantastic. I heard there there was some plans to possibly resurrect that. I don't know where that stands. Right. Well, I talked to her last night, and it it costs about fifty thousand dollars at least to put on that magazine. Um, in fact, Eugene was trying to get that magazine um, put out at, when we were working through the Human Solution, but it just cost so much money. But basically, Nora said it takes actually going out there and trying to hustle up the money to get it going on. But she said it used to cost $120,000 a year, but it went down to $50,000 um, at the minimum that we could, we could get away with it for. So basically we need money, and then that's, that's where that's at. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. But, yes, that, that you know, um, that publication shared a lot of information that prisoners don't get. This call is from Taylor Prison. There's really, now we're left with really no other source to get information on how litigation with the Bureau of Prisons is working out, uh, litigate, you know, what people are doing to gain success and all that. There's very little, you know, coverage that we get from that except for, you know, people we correspond with. And, I mean, I can tell you that, you know, that's always been a popular publication and it gets handed around through, you know, one one of the newsletters coming in will probably get read by two or three hundred people. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> All right. Well, um, what was that? Well, we're, I'm just uh, saying that the prison system seems to be uh, holding its own for the moment. That there is no changes. Uh, to speak of going on, uh, either good or bad. Even though there's a new director of the Bureau of Prisons, so there's some hope that. There may be some changes coming down the line that would actually, you know, be favorable for us. Right, but yeah. uh, this, but this week has been kind of quiet. We we didn't have to eat bologna all week. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. I know you didn't make those bologna sandwiches either. Not, uh, you know exactly what you're talking about when you said no bologna. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> as you yeah, know, as you know very we concerned about getting you out. I do remember him trying to coordinate a coming to help you. Um, 
and and he's trying to maybe see about getting your face reopened, and he had a lot of passion for your for your situation next week. Yes, yes. Gene was uh, even helping me try to look into, you know, if there's, in my case, as in too many, unfortunately, the the uh, the prosecutor and the, the government hid a lot of evidence that would actually clear me. And Gene was helping me to, I know the evidence exists, but without it, I can't rely on it. And uh, Gene was trying to help me maybe track down where that information is so we might be able to get our hands on it. And I'm still going to continue in that quest uh, and keep working on that. But Gene was, you know, helpful in trying to secure that information. Mm-hmm. Well, well, Craig, when you get out, I have a uh, sound bite of your a conversation you and Eugene and Kristen and Amy and Stephanie, all of you, all at the same time, having a conversation a couple months ago. And I pulled it out of the radio show and saved just that 15-minute clip. So when you get out, I have that for you right here. Well, thank you, thank you, because I do remember that conversation. So thank you for for saving that. And like I say, I I think the best way we can honor Gene's legacy is to, uh, you know, to carry on in the fight as we all are. Me was my fight to get out of prison, just like he fought five years and. And the the groups of of you two and so many others that Gene helped put together is doing so much to help us. And thank you for you know carrying on his legacy as you are today. Yeah, thank you, Craig. I hear the beep, and that means that you are getting off call now, not by our choice, but by the government's choice. And I just want to tell you, thank you so much. And you know, if Eugene was here, he'd tell you you're going to be free someday. And I believe it. I believe it. Well, thank, thank you, thank you, Will. Hopefully, they'll come that day where we'll have a meal together or a toast together uh, in Gene's honor. <laughs> but I'm okay. going to keep working that way, and you, you two obviously are. So I thank you. Okay. We love you, and thank you for your sacrifices, Craig. Well, thank you, and thank you so much for your help here, and uh, and the help with Gene also. You're welcome. We're welcome. We're going to say rest in peace to Eugene Fisher. All right, you guys, that was Craig Cecil. He's serving his 13th year of his life sentence in prison for cannabis. Um, 15. We're going to bring going into 15, Kristen. 15? Oh, my God. Oh, that was two years ago. I've been saying that for two years. <laughs> yes, you have, huh? Wow. Wow. I need to. I need a, um, <laughs> All right, you guys, we're going to go. We just had George Monterano call in, and he's going to call back in in just a couple minutes. And we've got two really, really beautiful, awesome sound bites we're going to play play for George when he comes on the show. And from what I understand, he's also wrote a poem for Eugene. But while we wait for for Eugene for for George to call back in, we're going to we're going to talk to his daughter just a little bit longer. Uh, Carla, are you there still? Yes, ma'am. Cool, cool, Hello. cool. I'm here. Um, Carla, yeah, been I'm sorry. Um, I, I wanted to ask. There, I'm a little confused on his exact um, date of death because I'm not. You know, the day I found out, I wasn't sure if it was before or after midnight. Could you clarify for us his um, his end date? Yeah. <laughs> so um, he was removed from ICU um, on the 7th of July in the morning and placed in hospice um, 
it was just to determine whether or not he could survive without being on machines and because um, <clears throat> that's what was keeping him alive. And so he survived from about, oh, I'd say 1 in the afternoon until passing at 11.40 p.m. on the 7th. Okay. Um, he passed away in a private room with um, <clears throat> all, all four of his children being present and my mother. Um, so we were all present. Um, he literally was gasping for his last breath of air um, until we all were there because um, there was a number of times when it looked like he was going to pass. But he, you know, chose to hang on until all of us were in the room. And we all oh. let him know that, you know, you guys would carry on and he, you know, you guys were doing what you needed to do and that we would be okay because I know he was always wanting to make sure we were okay and you know oh. and uh, with that he uh, he was able to you know take his last breath of air and and pass and you know and ladies and and all the listeners please know that he did die peacefully um, you know hospice is a wonderful way for people who need to go with dignity, you know, without being um, hooked up to different types of machinery to to pass away in a loving and quiet environment. And uh, so he was given that. But again, he was assured um, by, by us that, you know, his legacy would continue. And, uh, and I am oh. eternally grateful, ladies, that you are you're willing to do that. And yes, my dad did speak about you ladies and you know, loved you like <laughs> daughters. And um yeah. he um he didn't like when you guys squabbled, so I asked that when you're in those moments to just recall what he would <laughs> tell you. <clears throat> you know, and to, you know as he would tell my sister and myself. You know, um he didn't like when we were squabbling. So I want you guys to carry that on. Um, what you're doing is important, um, more than you guys will probably understand at this point in your lives. But as um, your work continues, you know, um, you will see how important you, and my father will continue to visit you guys, you know, as you guys are aware of. And you know he'll what? be, you, you know. know I yes, think ma'am. your dad and my dad. I think your dad and my dad are out there hanging out right now. Yeah, that would be cool. Good. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. You know, and um, yeah, he was. You know, as you know, our children, as his children, you know, we we didn't suffer as much as he did. We weren't incarcerated, but I can tell you, having been a child of somebody in prison. I was treated like a second-class citizen many times. Um, it's awful. Um, yeah, I, I do that pray before. that the I um, I do pray that there are changes that happen in this country with the way that our prison is. I know that I saw, you know, he received the Economist, and there was like an almanac, and it said the highest incarceration. And it was just showing stats and figures. So there was no emotion surrounding what they had in that little, it was a little like, like I said, almanac and uh, the highest incarceration in the world 
is the United States. And we don't have the highest right. amount of population. So I think that right. that in itself says a lot. Um, I appreciate the gentleman who was just on, who, um, you know, I mean, you know, every day is a, a struggle. And, you know, and um, and my dad definitely was a, uh, he was a warrior, you know. And his kids are sure. from him. I mean, you know, we all do different things in our lives. But I know that one thing is, like, for instance, I have a brother in D.C. who um, he's a teacher. And just last year he won, I don't know if you ever had mentioned this, but he won an award because he's helping the underprivileged, you know, the Hispanic underprivileged. You know, that's his that's his warrior behavior, you know. And my sister works for the city of Palom Bay and, I mean, of West Melbourne, and, you know, she helps the people so that they have a good area to live, you know. My brother, you know, Fred, you know, is trying to see about, you know, because he didn't have a dad to support him when he was a young man. So he's trying to be that warrior for his daughters and, and trying to give him, give them, you know, what unfortunately he was taken away from him, you know. Right. And um, I'm a mental health counselor, and, you know, I fight for my clients. I am there for my clients. So, you know, that that type of mentality of experience, my father definitely continued within his own biological children. But I hope that he has touched the lives of you ladies and of the listeners and of friends, you know, um, in the same way that you guys continue to, you know, come from a place of um, honoring that, of helping people, you know, and I know you guys will, because again, he spoke very highly of you too. He definitely loved you guys. <laughs> you know, well, we and, um, we plan on honoring your father to the fullest. We look up to your father like he is a hero. Um, the fact that he fought his way out of prison and was able to not have to spend the rest of his life in prison, and he got a dignified death with his family after being sentenced to life. I mean, we mm-hmm. we think he is amazing for doing that. I mean, he he could have died in prison, and he didn't. And he almost did a couple times, and he survived. Oh, yeah. Like, he got back to his kids. That, that to me, is so heroic. And not to, I mean, we take out all the other stuff he does for everybody else. Just that he got mm-hmm. you guys is just amazing to me, and I just think it's so beautiful. Yeah, and I agree with you. Um, you know, it's not easy. <laughs> right. But, and you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and lie to you guys or the listeners and not say that I did have a tumultuous relationship with my dad at times, you know, but through it all, Every day yep. I called my dad in the morning, and every day I checked yep. on him. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, not to give myself pats on the back, but I think that had I not been the one who had tried to call him that Friday, you know, he might have died by himself in his apartment. Because right. nobody would have known. So, um you know, I'm just glad that I had, you know, that opportunity to do with him, you know, for these four years that he's been free, <laughs> you know. Well, you guys, and, I, we've got, um, 
George Monterano on the line, and I have a really beautiful soundbite I want to play. So I'm going to make sure that's George and bring him on and play this soundbite. I think right now it's a really good – we've got two of them. We've got one to play at the beginning of George and one to play at the end, and they're both very touching. We've even got a couple more throughout the show as well, and a really nice one at the end where um, we're going to have one about him when he was talking to to George about his mother coming up in a second. But hold on, let me get George on. Uh, George, is this you? George? George, is this you? George Monterano? George, can you hear us? Okay, um, Mindy, will you see if we can get George um, George on? He's, he's His microphone is on, but we can't hear him at all. And in the meantime, I think I'm going to start playing this soundbite. Um, but I wanted George to hear it because there's a conversation that Eugene and I had about George. So are you there, Mindy? Yeah, I'm here. Are you there, George? Hello? There he okay. is. Hey, George, I'm going to play a soundbite, and then we're going to pull you in. Um, hold on just a second. Listen. I have to guess George Montemano, but George has not called me yet got. this morning. Now, Eugene said that earlier that you were going to Yeah, that's what he told me. He was riding the horse. The horse he was riding. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to bringing you on to bring so many things. There in Philadelphia, one of the things he's doing, the schools, local schools, are using George to help uh, bring uh, kids and fourth graders back and forth to school. You know, where's the man? Here's the man. George is my brother. He's a close friend. So close. And I tell you, I know the man intimately. And he, there's not a violent bone in his body. And apparently, here's a man, they, they put him away in prison for 33 years, and he gets that, and he's safe enough that the local school system is using him for kids. Wow. Yeah, he's he's very impressive because for 33 years he was in prison, he wrote books and poems and was a real inspiration to the other people in um, prison. And, you know, I and I know it's, it's kind of tough to say this, but sometimes I think that, like, your sentence and George's sentence and the sentence of those people that help others behind bars is maybe meant to be, not because you guys did something bad, but other people need your guidance. What does um, George call it, the fourth world or the third world? Yeah. He calls it the fourth the world. Beyond the, the third world. Yeah. You, you know, Chrissy, you raise an interesting point. Even in the worst situations that you're in, you must look for the good, and you must, as as productive as you can be, and even you know, uh, uh, people like George and myself would teach extensively, many classes and things, mentor kids to get younger people, and so on, and uh, you know, even even on our release, our release, if you notice all of all the people who are, involved, who are involved with our movement who have been incarcerated are, are avid advocates for changing the system. They work at trying to help uh, to help individuals. But of course, even more 
listen, I gotta, I, I gotta say this: that the, the advocates like yourself and Mindy and others who haven't done any prison time are wonderful people just because they're trying to help people incarcerated for for marijuana. I think that's that in itself is a miracle. All right, you guys, that was a conversation that uh, Eugene and I had about George. We have George on the line. Good morning, George. Hey, good morning, Christian. We've got, we've got you here. We've got um, his daughter Carly here, oh, and we've got Mindy here, and it's Georgie's Corner, and we're here to talk about – and when you're done, George, I have another sound bite I want to play uh, with you and Eugene. Um, but let's hear what you have to say okay. about our dear friend Eugene. Yeah, hi, Carla. Uh, <clears throat> Good morning, George. Hey, uh, you know, you know how I feel. Uh, but anyway, let me start off with this. Uh, it's called Gene. Uh, the colors of birds shall always be. The clear of rain falls to sea. Man can hurt. Man can cry. The loss of Gene, oh, wonder of why. He lived life's worst. Freedom came, but how Gene's smile burst. Oh, but he's now gone, except all his friends of he continue on. That's the poem. I love it. Thank you. I George. love it. That was lovely. Yeah, that was wonderful. Thank you. Thank all you, right. sir. I like- i like to continue on. Uh, I met Gene in federal prison many, many years ago. Uh, I remember that, that first day, uh, we were basically in the uh, education department of a penitentiary, which basically was like in a basement area where they had these classrooms. And uh, he uh, had heard of me and uh, know that I was a teacher mentor. And I was at the place, uh, you know, after dinner, I don't know how he knew that I would stroll uh, to that area of the penitentiary, to the education department. And he was waiting there, standing by uh, a classroom. And uh, we met, we shook hands, and we hugged, and he says, this is your classroom. So he had it already uh, prepared. He had it already get uh, out with the Prison Education mm-hmm. Department, and his classroom was right next to mine. And then mm-hmm. we went on, uh, our friendship grew, and we went on as teachers. And we uh, we got along so well that there were times in his uh, his classroom curriculum, uh, which was different than mine, and to keep the momentum, to keep these guys uh, coming, we would have some, sometimes to switch classrooms. Because he knew my subject matter and I knew his subject matter, and uh, the guys, uh, the the prison uh, prisoner uh, uh, students, really got a really got a kick out of that. And uh, you know, because even though you have these prisoners in the classroom, it's the aftermath of the class which keeps you going. In other words, the prisoners have to really like the class. And then they also must talk about the compound, around the prison compound. So we, me, Gene, uh, we were masters at that. Because uh, once, uh, you know, you're living in the, I, which I call the small sport world, which is, you know, uh, prison. And it's a very 
small world, but it is it is a community. So we were masters of that. And then the years went by, and of course we had our personal uh, prison life where we uh, we dealt uh, heavily in, uh, in prison uh, programming. And we were uh, we were <clears throat> top members of the NAACP. Uh, you know the the religious community. So you know I can go on and on and on and. Uh, and it's one thing to uh, do time, but it's one thing to never slip, never slip in his demeanor, his character, his teaching. And, uh, you know, he just he just continued. And uh, when he came home, he tried to do the best of that. So I uh, just want to share that with uh, Carl and the world. He was an amazing, amazing man. When you wake up every morning and do something good, uh, and when you're living in hell, which basically we lived in hell, uh, there were situations where we had long lockdowns, and a lot of guys, a lot of teachers, once they uh, lose their momentum through lockdowns and any personal problems, they wouldn't return to the classroom. But we, me and Gene would not let that affect us. No matter what uh, turmoil uh, was on the prison compound, once we got back to norm, we were right back in the classrooms, right back doing things. So it was just amazing. It was just amazing individual. And it, he taught me a lot, too, because uh, a lot of times I would flare up and he would tell me, Georgie, he would grab my hand and say, Georgie, Georgie, now calm down. So he, he may even mentioned, mentioned me on uh, certain occasions. So, you know, he was a gift. He was a gift in prison and he was a gift. Uh, when he got through, I wanted to share George, that. I'm going to play a soundbite of you and George having a conversation on one of our previous shows. Here it goes. Okay. George, uh, I want to just express this to the listeners the raw uh, emotions of a mother and son, a mother and daughter. And what happens when you're incarcerated? I, I, as you know, George, I would speak to my mother every day I could, every day we can get to the phones for just a minute or two, just to hear her voice, having her hear my voice. And when she was dying, you were with me, George, when she was dying. And I couldn't get to her, and she just kept saying, she called me Jeannie, because, you know, Others call their kids, even if they're grown men, by the diminutive. And I just, uh, to me, right now, so such a major thing to have George and his mother reunited. I, I couldn't be happier. Yeah. It's a uh, pleasure. Mimi, we're up. She's like, uh, she's my mom, my buddy, and, uh, and I, uh, you know, I take her out. We only have dinners lined up all week the next week. So it's just, uh, it's just, you know, you just, uh, you know, you learn, you learn from, uh, I don't know what it is. You know, when you, you put in darkness, that was good. And I, I helped put myself in the darkness. This key, I was, uh, this key was real about it. I helped put myself in the darkness. And then, uh, and uh, you start looking for the light. When you're in the darkness, she looks for the light. And believe me, a lot of lights you put off. And when uh, your mom's light, there's always that light in that window. 
Um, so, yeah, that was the soundbite Mindy picked out to play for you today, George. Thank, thank you, thank you, thank you. I just, I I wanted to point out that almost every time George, Eugene talked to one of his friends that got out, he asked about their mom. He was always asking about the mom and 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 every time he found out one of his friends was able to go see their mom when they got out, it just, you could just tell how much it meant to him all because of that experience he had with his own. And mm-hmm. people get this this idea that, you know, anybody who served 25 years in prison, whether they deserved it or not, have to be some, you know, bad, you know, grumpy, whatever, gangster, awful person. And the reality is, is, is all of you guys are just, family men that loves their moms just like anybody else and and that's kind of what I wanted to show with that well uh you know I'll continue to do what I can do but you know he will always be in my uh my uh my vocabulary when I do advocate work and uh he just we just lost a great a great tool uh out in this society to you know to make a great human tool to adjust adjust what's broken in this machine. It's just especially with these guys doing uh, all this time, still doing time for weed, and and you know what's going on today with this violence. And you know we have we have cities on the verge right now. So uh, you know he will be he will he will always be in my heart. And uh, you know uh, <clears throat> right now I'm imagining. Uh, I'm walking down the, the hallway in prison, and he's at the the other end, and he would just smile until I got there. You know, some of them prison hallways are very, very long, and the smile oh. never left his face until uh, I got there. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, it's tough. It's a tough show for me today. Well, George, we've got uh, – we're going to go on to the next guest. I don't know if you knew Larry Duke. Uh, but Larry yeah. Duke's yeah. been a couple of yeah. yeah, well, we've got Larry Duke up next. So if you want, you can just hang okay. out and listen. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll communicate with you this week. And uh, as far as Gene and his family, uh, again, uh, he's in my heart and he will remain. Thank you, everyone. Okay. And, uh, Thank you, George. I'll talk again. Thank you, All right. George. All right. All right. Thank, Thank you, you, George. All right, you guys, our next guest is Larry Duke. Larry Duke, I don't know, I know he spent a couple decades in prison and was recently released, released and Eugene was so happy. Um, and Larry Duke was on one of our uh, shows a couple weeks ago. You can um, hear more of that interview with uh, Eugene. Um, but first, we're going to bring Larry on and say, hi, Larry, how are you? Hey, Kristen, how are you doing today, darling? We're good. We're sitting here with me and Mindy, and we've got Carla, Eugene's daughter, on the line. And we're just remembering hi Eugene. Um, hi. <laughs> we're just remembering our dear friend Eugene. I'm sorry, sir? My condolences to you and your family, Carl. We're Thank all you, going sir. to miss your father terribly. Yes, I am too, sir. I am. I've spent a good deal of years more with Eugene than probably you have, young lady. He was yes, a fine sir. Well, I thank you for that, sir. He loved adventure. 
Yeah, he loved adventure and loved life. I'm sorry, sir? So, so he's uh, he's where he wants to be. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I We're having a, this connection is, yeah, this connection is is a little rough on us, Larry. We're having a hard time hearing you. And Carla, if you need to, you know, go at any time, we understand. You you can stay, hang as long as you want. We could put your mic on mute if you're ready to maybe just listen or to possibly even hang up. I mean, I'll just listen for right now. It's 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 good to hear. Okay. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, okay. like I just got home after being gone for like a week, so you know I don't okay. have to go okay. back to work tomorrow. So I would love to listen, okay. though. I really would. Okay. Thank you right. so well, much for everything you said to us, Carla. And hey, lady. And- the the last thing I do want to say, and this is where my father comes in. Please, please, please keep your work. Okay. Please. Thank you. You know. You. You're, um, you're doing you. a good job. Okay. Thank you. And, uh, oh, thank you, very much. you still Thank you, Carla. I can't tell you how much that means to us. Yeah, please do. Because it's important. Thank you. Thank and you. I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Larry, is there anything that you want to share with us about some times that you spent in prison with Eugene or anything you want to say about him? Well, you know, it, it, it's all been said. We all uh, we all try to advance the uh, incorrections that society has moved into. It's, you know, it's not the culture of America to incarcerate their uh, their own people, and and Eugene fought for that uh, his entire life. It wasn't a matter of of the crimes that were committed. It was the uh, it was the punishment that was uh, needed out to those individuals in such uh, a drastic form as we transposed to in the 1980s. Uh, Eugene and I both remember uh, the maximum statutory penalty for marijuana uh, was five years, and it had been that way for decades. And in 1984, it all changed. And uh, all the players involved got life sentences. Prior to that, they could have gotten five years and a fifteen thousand dollar fine. The attitude of uh, of government changed. It declared a war against its own citizens, and uh, it still exists today. That was uh, that was Eugene's fight. Uh, yeah. The immortality of it, it, it just um, it just isn't right. Uh, it hadn't been right since 1984, and it's still not right today. And that was Eugene's fight. That, that was his reasoning. He was he was trying to bring knowledge into the uh, public eye to where resolve could be discussed, to open the dialogue. Uh, with congressional leaders and and stakeholders to change this uh, madness that's been going on for 30 years. Um, not not to uh, be comparable to hanging in Trafalgar Square 
uh, back in England, but, you know, it's reached its maximum critical peak. It doesn't matter if you kill five police officers or uh, or accuse a conspiracy to import marijuana. Uh, everything carries a life sentence. So I think he'll rest comfortably knowing that that one day would change. So he, he's fought a good fight. He's, uh, he's a hell of a man. I want to thank you, Larry, for coming on and talking to us and and sharing this um, space and time with us. Um, having all these friends and family come together, even if it's in a in a like weird little radio world, it means the world to me, Kristen. And um, I just want to thank you again, Larry. My pleasure. You have a good day. My condolences again to Eugene's family. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Have a great day. Okay. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Larry. Bye-bye. That was one of our... I love you. Because that was one of our big heroes, Larry Duke, who was just recently released out of prison. Uh, He was in prison for a couple decades for cannabis with Eugene, and they spent a lot of time together um, in prison. Next, we're going to hear from another one of his friends from prison, uh, Billy Deakle, who spent a couple decades in prison with Eugene also. Billy Deakle was just recently granted clemency um, through by President Obama for by President Obama. I mean, a lot of um, what had happened is a group um, can do can do clemency project and the marijuana lifers project. They were gathering a lot of letters for for Billy Deakle, and it inspired our group. Um, and the fact that Eugene was really good friends with Billy to also gather letters to help. Uh, get to the president uh, in regards to Billy Deakle. And Billy Deakle was granted clemency. Um, and we do believe that it took the help of all these organizations to come together. And that was one of Eugene's missions is that these organizations not fight and that they get along and that they serve the prisoners the justice that they deserve on our level in order to get the justice in the courtrooms that, that's needed to free these guys. So um, we're going to put Billy Deakle on, who's just recently been freed. In fact, he was on our radio show not too long ago, and you could check out that that um, that radio show a couple a couple weeks ago. So you can Google that, or we'll, we'll post it on our site. Um, and also coming up just after this, we've got a, a couple more sound bites, and we've got Sherry Sicard calling in. We've also got Mike Harris, who is a huge advocate for our plant prisoners and friends with Eugene, who wants to talk, and also Tom Corby. Um, so here we go. Here is Billy Deakle. Good morning, Billy. Hello. How are you doing? Hi. Oh, I'm all right. I'm I, I'm calling in with a heavy heart, as uh, you well I know. know. And I'm yes. just uh, I know you have a lot of people that are wanting to call in and get on the show, but I I just had to call in and and say that uh, I first met Gene and Larry Duke in USP Lewisburg back in 1991. And I'm a better gene that has made me a better person. He is a fine example of a man with uh, high character and everything else for people in prison, out of prison, anywhere. I've never ran into or met a person I've had more respect for. i got as much respect for gene as anyone I've ever met in life. And I'm really glad that I got to meet him. 
as well as Larry Duke, Randy Lanier, and and others, and even and George also. I was with George, and uh, we've had all those Coleman men on our show. This, we've had all those and men that, on our show this morning. We had Randy, we had George, we had them all on the show today so far. Well, I tell you what, there's there's some real, real uh, high character folks as you can find anywhere in the world. And we have yeah, lost I agree. A, I agree. A, 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 we lost a dear friend w- with Jean. It was Beth Curtis uh, sent me a text and let me know. And I uh, I called and found out that Jean was in, you know, kind of late, that Jean was in hospice. And then, like, the next day or day after that he had passed. And uh, that was kind of, uh, to me, you know, I was from speaking with him just a few weeks ago. Uh, it was kind of a shock. I knew his health. I was in Atlanta with him when he had the flu bitis. I was in about with that. I was in Coleman with him when uh, they thought he was going not pull through there. And uh, I said, "Well, Gene is really is doing real good." And uh, it's uh, it's a real, uh, you know, it's kind. Of, it's, we all have a heavy heavy heart. And our condol my condolences are definitely to his family and all because for their loss and it's just uh, uh, another thing I want to say before I get off the phone is when I was in he was with the Human Solutions and I didn't know it at the time I knew that Gene had gotten out and I was very very I was ecstatic that he had uh, won his release and I got a uh, email to call a number in California at a certain time, <laughs> and I had no yep. idea who or <laughs> what, but I said, well, they sent me this email, I'm going to call, but, and unfortunately, they you only have so much many minutes a month, and my minutes were just about out, I think I had like five minutes left on that month for the telephone, and five or six, something, not very many, so I thought, I called the number, and when I got the number, it was a Human Solutions, and they had put me on the line with Gene. And that was really, I tell you, that was a highlight to get to speak to Gene <laughs> because he was, you know, I thought so well, much of him for so long, and he's such a good friend of mine. And then when he got out, I was so happy, but I said, you know, probably never speak to Gene again. You know, it's like you kind of lost your friend. <laughs> But then right. I made the phone call, and <laughs> guess who? Gene's on the line. But uh, <laughs> he's uh, he, he's a wonderful person, and, and he's an uh, ex- example for anybody, you know, and anywhere. And I just wanted to call in and, and, and say that, and I'll let y'all go on, you know, so the other people get on the show. Um. Billy, before, when he had called into the Human Solution, at the time, Eugene was the executive director and a board member of, of the group at that time. So and his main mission was to help get, like, you free and all of his other friends. At, at the time, George Monterano was still in prison, and Billy Deco was still in prison. You were still in prison, and Larry Duke was still in prison, and Randy was even still in prison. And so right. when he came to the Human Solution, I was the vice president of the group at that time, and he immediately started fighting. He helped. He helped build a, um, a policies and procedures and a manual and everything to help structure the group in order to help free you guys. 
and he was very, very dedicated um, to trying to help to help you guys. But that's that's what he had to do with them. Well, that just shows what and, kind of character yeah. he is. He, he has got. Yeah. He's not forget people and the people like uh, uh, that are out there that have never been in prison. That have I've been contacted by a lot of people when I was in prison that uh, yeah. you know were just normal citizens, never been in uh, trouble or in in prison for anything. That wanted to help and seen the injustice and all that. And you got to say, hey, these are great people. It's uh, take time out of their life to to help, and that's that's a right. wonderful thing. Right. Well, Billy, um, is there anything else you want to say about Eugene? We've got, and I know you know who Sherry Sicard is. Um, we've yeah, got oh, her yes. on the line. She's coming up after you, and then after that, we're well, going to play. Uh, we're going to play a sound bite for Eugene. In fact, you can stay on the on the line and listen if you like. We've got two soundbites. I've found out how to get the blog on my uh, computer, and I'm getting okay. ready to, as soon as I get up, I'll be out there listening to that because I, I've seen the, okay. I, well, want, when, cool. I just I just started doing that yesterday, trying to find out how to get on, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know a lot about the uh, computers. I'm still learning this stuff out here. You know, I only got out April the 15th. <laughs> It's so cool that Eugene got to to, to meet you on the outside. Like, you guys were in prison, and now you guys are both free. It's so beautiful that he got to see that before he passed away. Yes, it is. I I would like to see him in person, but at least I got to speak to him. And I'm going to get off the line so Sherry can get on. Hello, Sherry, if you're listening. Love you. Yeah. All right. right. Bye-bye. Bye, right. Billy. Bye, Billy. We love you, too. Thank you. Because that was our hero, Billy Beekle, who served decades in prison with Eugene. Um, next, we're going to go to Sherry Sicard, who runs a group called Marijuana Lifers Project. And Sherry um, helps all these prisoners one-on-one and even had a chance to try to um, coordinate help with Eugene. Um, good morning, Sherry. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. You're here with me and Mindy. Hi, guys. Nice. Good morning. Well, nice Good to be morning, here, but not, not under these circumstances. I know it. I yeah. know it. Our hero, our, our mentor, Eugene. Wouldn't you miss him already? Yes, I do. I uh, I had the honor of meeting with Eugene a little over a month ago here in L.A. and uh, talking about how he wanted to get involved with Marijuana Lifer Project and help those left behind, and he was an amazing man. Even though his own health was in uh, really poor condition, he was most concerned about the others, especially um, his friend Leopoldo Hernandez Miranda, who's in FMC Butner now and, and has serious health issues, and he's in his 70s, and he wants nothing more to go home, even if it's just to go home to die. So Eugene was trying to help with that, and unfortunately Eugene's health took a turn for the worse first. That's yeah. something Eugene really believes in. I I found a soundbite. I'm not sure if it's been played or not, where he talks about that very thing that, um, you know that that some people talk about how um, it you know just leaves somebody who's that sick in prison to die. They might be better oh, off. Oh, exactly. he said that. The, right. I'm gonna play it right now, you guys. I have it. You know what? Let's just play that right now. I have it scheduled to play here, mm-hmm. and um, I have it ready to go. 
I mean, we were going to play it when we got off the phone, but since we're talking when we after this interview is over, but since we're talking about it, um, let's play it. I believe I've known people in the 25 years I've been. I've known people who are really sick and really in bad condition, and I've heard the argument: Why should maybe they're better taken care of in prison? And that's so much malarkey. Here's the the bottom line: is if you can if you can help a man or woman get out of prison to spend one day free, it's worth the effort. It's worth the effort. One day was worth the effort. Absolutely. Concerned about those left behind, 
after doing 25 years, these are the type of people that really demonstrate love in our human sphere because, of his, because he extended his efforts beyond himself unto others. The sacrifices we do for others is what really counts, and that is what is being then that is what he is doing until his last breath. Individuals like him, Weldon Angelos, Amy Pova, Michael Santos, among others, have always looked back to help those left behind, should be considered a legacy of their own right. As a lifelong, as a lifelong advocate, Mr. Fisher should be an example to us all, which we have experienced in injustice enacted by the marijuana unjust laws. In each one of us, as we are released from prison, demonstrate that the extension of love toward those left behind, as Mr. Fisher exemplified. Um, we, would, we would see our system changed on behalf of those who have been unjustly incarcerated under cannabis laws. Farewell to a great hero, Mr. Eugene Fisher. Although I was prepared for... Oh, um, we have a message, a different message. Oh, this one's from Craig. It says all that we heard from him earlier, but he says, although I was prepared for Gene's passing, it is not any easier. As you can well imagine, he was my greatest inspiration. He kept fighting for his freedom for 25 years and finally accomplished it. And he immediately reached back to secure Randy's freedom as well. Then he worked to gain freedom for me and others serving crazy sentences for pot. Nobody will miss him more than me. I am right here with you and Kristen Craig. Um, so, yeah, those were some messages that you got regarding Craig um, from behind bars. So it's not like just all of us on the free world miss him. I mean, there are prisoners that are missing him as well. Oh, for sure. They were all uh, following the story, and I was keeping them apprised of what happened. And they were all really affected by it. Um, they... As Craig said, saw Gene as a source of inspiration. It's possible. Um, they never stopped fighting, so that really inspired them to do the same. Um, and they were all right with them, and they were really affected when he uh, took a turn for the worse in his health. Um, I know Cordain Cooper fasted one day, and they were all praying for him. And it really affected oh. him in a big way. Yeah, I heard that Corbin Cooper fasted. I mean, he went without food because Eugene and Corbin Cooper is serving a life sentence for cannabis. He went from behind food, for, without food, from behind bars to help honor Eugene. That touches my heart. Yeah, yeah. Eugene's passing really affected all of them. Definitely, definitely. Well, Sherry, is there anything else that you want to say about our friend before we um, go on to the next caller? No, just that I will miss him a lot, and people like him are rare, and we need more of them in the world that, that care about these issues. And so his passing leaves a big hole in this community. So I hope Thank others will step up to try to fill that. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. We love you. We miss you, Jean. <laughs> yeah. Love you guys, too. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. All right. Our next caller, we're going to take a call from Mike Harris. Um, but first, I'm going to read something that Mike wrote about Eugene. Um, it was on his Facebook wall. It was really, really sweet. Let me see if I can find it here. Dang it. Um. Uh, let's see here. Um, 
Um, um, um, um, um, so maybe it's here. It's not here. So anyway, um, Mike wrote a really sweet message about Eugene on his Facebook wall, and he wants to talk to us about Eugene. Um, good morning, Mike. What do you want to say about our dear um, hero? Hi, good morning, Kristen. Uh, this is my condolences to uh, Eugene's family, and if his daughter's still listening, uh, I'd like to know that he yeah, I got to meet him and spend a few hours uh, when he was in Los Angeles about a year ago, and we had a great conversation, and uh, it's fascinating person. Uh, a lot of folks uh, don't really, um, I think, know the facts of uh, how Eugene won his freedom. It wasn't through any type of uh, clemency, compassion, mercy, or um, emerging laws. Uh, the man had a brilliant mind would say that it would be an understatement. He was, um, I think, arrested in 1987. And before that time, he was one of the largest, uh, had one of the largest marijuana operations with Landy Rainier and several other people in the United States. They moved millions. And um, he was telling me that uh, if you smoked any kind of Colombian in the 80s, more than likely it came from Eugene. He was, um, <laughs> when he was arrested, it was um, uh, hailed as the largest marijuana bust in U.S. history. He was um, certainly probably one of the biggest fish there. And that doesn't even um, begin to tell the story of Eugene and um, how he thought about things. You know, his his advocacy afterward with Human Solutions was just um it changed uh, how things went with the, the solution, to be honest with you. And he, we talked uh, all different things about from uh, Gary Webb, uh, how Nicaragua was in the Sandistas. But the, the the thing that I really wanted to ask him about was, well, tell me about how you really did win your freedom, because he really didn't talk about it much, because he was still trying to get, uh, I believe, Randy Lanier out. And But he shared it with me that... Um, when he was uh, arrested and they went through the trial, they basically threw the book at him uh, because of uh, changing laws with the Reagan administration. That uh, one uh, earlier called that he would have got maybe five years, and they ended up uh, giving him life because of the the, the size and the operation. Well, um, along with that, they uh, I think they uh, made a, a monetary fine of thirty million dollars, along with I think Randy and you and uh, a few of the partners as well. The um, Now, Eugene was not an investor like some of the other uh, principals in his case that invested in a casino in Bell Gardens. Uh, it was called the Bicycle Club. You know, I was well familiar with it. Well, um, after mm-hmm. Eugene was uh, convicted, arrested probably, but uh, at least when he was after convicted, the uh, U.S. government seized the Bicycle Club and operated it. Normal procedure with them was to uh, basically uh, take operating expenses and divest themselves of it, you know, after a year. But U.S. Marshals kind of kept mum about it. For 13 years, they kept mum about it and ran the thing. And basically, the, they were just uh, squirreling the money away to themselves. And what Eugene realized is that his assessment that he wasn't even involved in, but he was still... Um, charged with money laundering through the bicycle club um, 
came to $30 million, and Eugene had the foresight and the ability to figure out how much that club made annually. And with, through freedom of information um, requests and uh, people helping on the outside, he was uh, found out that um, I think they, his assessment was, um, as I said, $30 million. And this club, he would have probably um, had that uh, covered within a couple of years or close to it. And after he figured everything out, they uh, kept uh, assessing different people to where the, uh, the government owed him $9.2 million. They over-assessed him. Uh, you know, this is true. And so he yeah. filed a yeah. civil lawsuit against the United States government, and he filed his own motions. He read his own um, legal papers. He did all of that from prison. Uh, he's not a... a a lawyer by any stretch. He was just uh, an importer and exporter uh, by trade. Well, he put the uh, federal government in a jam because a, uh, a U.S. judge found that his case had merit. It had gone to trial, then it would have exposed that the United States Marshals were laundering money through um, the Bicycle Club, a, a card casino that's located in California in Belcarts. And it, it instead of um, take you know fighting it in court, they let this old crook that they felt that was um, beyond any kind of um, uh, redemption that was sentenced to life along with his partners. They just basically told him um, without a moment's notice, you can go home, but you have to drop the suit. And so you know Eugene said, fine. That was the whole intent of it in the first place. But the United States government uh, basically let him go to cover up their complicity in laundering money. And it would have been a, a, a real big scandal with the U.S. Marshals Department along with the DEA that basically was instrumental in this thing. So he had a fascinating mind. Definitely. Definitely. Well, um, well, Mike, we've got Amy Poba on the line, and we've also got Tom Corby, and I'm getting ready to play a soundbite with him and Eugene talking about um, their mothers um, or about ch the children, um, the children, their children. So if you, um, if you feel like, do you feel like Eugene is like the light under your fire lately? Cause that's how I feel. He's been like kept so much strong behind a, like so much basically wind beneath our wings. And now he's just gone. Or to get through this, um, we would love to help you come on to our shows and help represent Eugene in the future as much as you can and as much as you want to. And this radio show is like a voice for everybody, and especially Eugene. And anything you ever want to add to um, Eugene or to Craig or to any of our prisoners, we would love to have you on our show anytime. And we thank you. And is there anything else you want to say about our dear friend now that he's gone? Well, it, it was touching that he talked about his family and that he was um, in the process of reestablishing a relationship that had been long dormant while he had been in prison. And that I think right. that was his most treasured thing that he held to when he was released to be able to reestablish um, that um, relationship with his uh, his family and his children. Yeah, I know. I, I thought it was special too. One of my last conversations with him um, was 
him talking to me about um, about his reunification with his son specifically. And um, that was always a constant um, thing that he was working on is, is bettering his relationship with his family. He, he adored them. All right. Well, you guys, I'm going to play this sound bite. And thank you, Mike, for coming on because this is just the perfect time because we're talking about the children. And um, this is just what he had to say. So I want to thank you, Mike, for coming on onto our show, and we appreciate you for remembering our friends. Oh, well, you're welcome, Chris. Thank you. All right, you guys, listen, this is just exactly what um, what we were talking about from you to listen. Well, George, uh, I want to just express this to the listeners. The uh, emotions of a mother and son, a mother and daughter, and what happens when you're incarcerated. I, I, as you know, George, I would speak to my mother every day I could, every day we could get to the phones for wow. just a minute or two, just to hear her voice, her, 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 my voice. Right. And when she was dying, you were with me, George, when she was dying. Yeah, I remember, yeah. And I could... You guys, I played that one earlier. I'm really sorry. This, I'm, I'm playing a different one. Please listen. Good morning, listeners. This is Voices of the War radio program. We're broadcasting today, and this is Eugene Fisher. You know, Mindy, all through your incarceration, the loyalist people are always the children. And they, they come wherever you are. They go through all that day. Get through the prison guards and shakedowns to come in and all of that. You know how it is. And the kids are there. And they're there on the phone and so on. And uh, it, it, it's a significant part of being incarcerated. And it's within the part of the family that the mass incarceration system is done. Nothing positive to very negative. Right. It has a lot to do with the length of the sentences, prison conditions. So it's uh, the industry. And prisoners are, are, are the way that the, the industry is maintained. They're a commodity. So, a commodity, yeah, 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 a commodity. And they keep, keep people incarcerated in all those years, those long, long years. And it, 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 became, it becomes more distant ever to, with maintaining relationship with your kids, which you, which you still do. And they're your kids, and they have that relationship with you, with the father. All right, that was um, some that Eugene uh, opening statement Eugene made on our Father's Day show this this month um, that he was hosting with Mindy. Um, next, we're going to go to Amy Pova, who runs a can do, and she's got a, a a thing going on right now. It's called Guardian Angel, and she was on our show last week to talk about it. This week, she's going to talk about Eugene, um, how much he meant to us, and then we're going to talk to Tom Corby, and then I'm going to do my own. 
I'm going to, Whitney and me are going to talk a little bit about some things we forgot to mention, and then I'm going to go into my closing, and I'm going to say my piece about Eugene when I say the piece about all the other prisoners. So stay tuned, and here is Amy Pova with her remembrance of Eugene. Good, mor- Good morning. Good morning, Amy. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, who would have ever dreamed that last week, um, you know, um, just... It just goes to show how precious every single day is and how much we all need to treasure our freedom and what we do, what we what we choose to do with it. And, um, you know, I don't think any of us are ever prepared for the loss of not only a loved one, but a warrior who was larger than life, a hero to so many. And um, I want to thank you, Kristen and Mindy, for partnering with Eugene, and um, if it weren't for you too, bringing him into our lives every Sunday, I wouldn't have the memories and the point of reference that I have now, and his voice that is um, going to live eternally in my memory, and um, each one of those moments are really, really beautiful memories. He he. When he would speak, he just had the most uh, beautiful things to say. His tone, his um, there was just something about him that um, every word out of his mouth made you feel so good about yourself. He always made everyone feel as if you were just the most amazing person. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> It, he always made me feel like, uh, wow, you know, by the time I hung up, and, and, and you too, but I don't know, there's just something about Gene where you just you felt like, wow, I really am cool, you know, <laughs> or I really yeah. am, you know, I don't know what it is, but he just, he really could cut through and lift you up, as you just said, Kristen, he, he lifted everybody up, and um, he was a life preserver, and still is. And I think that somebody um, at some point, if you believe in God or whatever, I think that he's called because maybe he can do more good. He's really free now. He has the ultimate freedom. And I do believe in angels and guardian <laughs> angels. Um, i got to be honest, I, I was visited by an angel uh, when I was in prison in a dream. And it was very vivid, and he, his name was Antarius. He, he introduced himself, and I've never forgotten that. So uh, Eugene is an angel. Um, he's going to be uh, fighting for us more than ever before, and we're going, we're going to witness the fruits of that. And I want to thank you so much, and George um, Martirano and... Um, all the people, uh, Randy Lanier, um, that lived a life with him and know him, you know, even so much more than we do. Not very many people get out of prison and then just devote their lives to helping others. No, and um, I know. So uh, thank you so much for this memorial, and thank you for bringing him into our lives every Sunday. You two um, <laughs> have to be commended for that. It's a beautiful legacy, and guess what? We have those mp3 or mp4 files forever and that's because of yeah. you oh so. thank you amy 
Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Amy. You brought tears to my eyes. I'm, 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 in 10 minutes, i got to do clothes for the show, and um, I do a, a rest in peace for our prisoners and our, our children and our, our drug war heroes that have died in the war, and it's going to kill me to add Eugene to that list, but um, mm-hmm. I'm going to get through it, too, but... Thank okay. you for ha- coming on and sharing your um, your thoughts of, about Eugene. Um, I just regret I, I never got to meet him. That's that's my that's my regret. But I I know him through you and through the radio shows. So so thank you, and I'm thank you. I look forward to listening to to your your piece. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Love you. Godspeed. Love you too. Thank you. All right, Mindy, how are you doing? Oh, yeah, I'm doing I'm doing okay. As we get through this, I know me and Mindy were really worried about before the show. How are we going to get through this show without our best friend? But it's been almost two hours, and we're getting through it. Um, next, we're going to talk to, um, well, we, it looks we've got, we've got Dr. David Allen on. Um, he was going to probably want to talk for a second. Um, but first, we're going to bring on Tom Corby. And then we're going to bring on Dr. Allen for a second. And then we're going to do, do the close. Um, hold on just a second. Here we go. Mindy, maybe you can press the button because it's not working for me. Sure. I press it and it, the restore button comes on. There we go. Thank Hi, you. Tom. Are you Good morning, there, Tom? Tom? Yes. Hello. Am I on? You're on. Yeah, you're on. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Christian. Uh, Mindy, <laughs> always always on the front line like Eugene Fisher was. Uh, I was on honor to meet Eugene down at our Human Solution National Conference a couple of years ago. Mike Harris, Karen, too, and many of the folks down on the front line in L.A. Uh, I was amazed uh, when hanging with Eugene a couple of days uh, how good he was doing after considering 26 years in prison and how when he got out, what did he do? He spent most of his time helping others and thanking others for helping him. We come for one another and we'll call for you. Uh, Eugene would want us to carry on the torch to end prohibition and free all our POWs. Eugene uh, Albert Fisher is an icon and warrior, second to none. It was such an honor to uh, hang with Eugene a couple of days, and he'll be sore met. Uh, I was going to ask about the sound bites. Uh, could you post a number for people to uh, bring in a sound bite? I'm not sure if it's the same number of the human solution, the 951 number. Uh, so people, and also, uh, can people get the past shows on archives, or maybe you could give some directions on that, even on Facebook, for people who are asking. Uh, I can definitely. I can definitely help you with that, Tom. Uh, off, uh, if you uh, Google CCHI Voices of the Cannabis War, it brings up the various past shows just on a Google search. Um, 
but I can send them to you as well. As far as sound bites go, um, we, um, I pulled the sound bites of Eugene off of past shows through a program I have, but we do not have a number the same way that um, the human solution does. So we'll have to check into that and see what we can do about making that happen. So you can call in sound bites. Oh, that would be great. Uh, in Northern California, uh, I always bring out how we're setting precedents uh, all over the world. Uh, we always bring out if more people would take them on to trial instead of making these BS plea bargains, but screw you. We wouldn't be here today. There's just no way it's so involved to, when you go to trial, it ties up the whole courthouse. Uh, we talk about defendants standing the ground. Alex Lyons and Nick Moran here, my neighbors, taking Butte County on to trial. Uh, Alex Lyons, uh, his case is unique in that he did waive his rights to waive time. He took him straight past preliminary, right straight to trial, what's that say? You catch them with their pants down. They're not ready. Uh, so the DA calls an emergency uh, hearing because he he's not ready to go to trial. And Alex brings out how they're taking his right for a speedy trial away. And now DA Jennings, uh, we like him as a DDA. Uh, he's different than the others. He's sympathetic with Alex's case. He's listening. We're going to have a meeting with him and, and the attorneys soon. Uh, here's something else unique about his case. When we went for his pretrial conference, uh, Officer Patterson and Eno, Officer Enos, the arresting officers, were supposed to be there. The courts actually, are they allowed to lie? said, no, they couldn't. They're on paid vacation. Two days ago, Alex is in Orville. He goes to his favorite taco stand, and guess who's there? Officer Patterson and Officer Neal. He knows. He went over and talked to him and let him know what was going on, and they've agreed also to sit down with a meeting. Uh, Joseph Tully uh, was there the other day. He said also he commented and uh, how if more people would waive their rights and take them right to trial, especially if you feel you have them actually on the defense and you know you've stayed in with the laws and the guidelines, you've done nothing wrong, like Alex. So Alex uh, at his uh, PTC also uh, attorney from, you know, we like her county here, tried to bring the motions in uh, to quash and traverse the warrant, which we always uh, bring that motion in, uh, and also to bring forth the complaints. They cannot hide the complaint, and, and uh, there cannot be a case unless there's a that's complaint-driven. This is important to know, so we always challenge the warrant on probable cause to search. Uh, Judge Kelly was there that day. Uh, I could expound about Judge Kelly, what I know. I don't have time. What's he doing there anyway in courtroom one? And, of course, he denies uh, Firmino's motion. So what he does is instead of taking the motion on that day, he 
reschedules uh, motions to be heard. Uh, that's this uh, Thursday at 1.30 p.m. right here, number one, Court Street, in Orville. Uh, local court support is always requested. Uh, we not only call for the defendant, uh, we also call for a witness. To the injustices going on inside these courtrooms, uh, the dog, dog and pony shows, if you will. So, Alex is up at 1.30. That's this Thursday. Uh, motions to be heard. Uh, then he's then he's going on to pre-trial in September. I'll be posting those on the Human Solution calendar soon. Also, the next day we have the Benos. What's that say? Benos. That says James Beno and his two boys taking them on up there in Shafter County. Uh, they've all now they've uh, recused yet another incompetent PE. I say PP public pretenders and has hired Joseph Tully. Uh, also, uh, 2 p.m. on the 15th of July, the next day after Alex, at 2 p.m. Uh, at 1655 West Street, Reading. Uh, room 1 will be also motions to be heard on pitches, uh, taking the officers on. Uh, so that's 2 p.m. again uh, uh, this Friday, the 15th of July, in Reading, come for the Benos. I think we're going to go up. And also Chip Dunnigan, our friend up there, has invited everybody over for a barbecue after it. And, uh, and what do we do at these barbecues and fundraisers? We're pretty much talking and advocating somebody else's case, one case or the other. Also, well, Tom, I we uh, we re- I really appreciate you giving us the updates, but we're gonna have to cut it short today. Uh, Kristen and I are in overtime, and uh, quite frankly, I we need to finish this show. It's been a hard one for us today. And, um, That's can you please That's call us back next week and and give us the 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 rest of the updates? And also, people um, go to the Human Solutions calendar page. Um, that's where all the different um, dates that Tom is talking about are, can be found. And like Tom said, uh, court support is incredibly important, and we certainly wouldn't want to miss out on any of that. Um, I really want to thank you again, Tom, for your kind words about Eugene and for calling in today. And um, I hope you have a blessed rest of your Sunday. Okay. Well, thank you, too, Christian. I pretty much covered all the grounds anyway, and so... Come join us, helping the solution and provision at thehumansolution.org. Uh, thank you all the day, and don't forget to breathe. Thank, thank you, Tom. Tom. We love you. Next, we're going to say we're hi to Dr. Allen real quick. Um, good morning, Dr. Allen. Do you want to say anything about our friend Eugene? Um, good morning. Um, well, Eugene was a hero, um, and he spent time in prison for all of us, really. And um, I understand that his family was severely affected by this, and it kind of broke his family up a little bit, and they later uh, reconciled. But uh, this happens to a lot of people, and it happened to me. And uh, I was told by my family members that I I gave up my family uh, for pot, that I chose pot over my family. 
and that severely affected me. And um, I haven't seen my children since 2008, and uh, it still affects me real bad. And uh, the drug war doesn't just affect the people who go to jail; it also affects the families. And uh, it, you know, I used to be a taxpayer. But now I'm just, you know, I'm on Social Security. And uh, so it's done a lot of severe harm. These police, by attacking my family, have hurt the society. And uh, uh, all in the name of uh, marijuana prohibition. So um, I, I blame the shootings that are happening currently on marijuana prohibition or the drug war, really. And, uh, you know, when when the, the government lies about marijuana, they can't be trusted on any other level. And when they use marijuana to get in your car, to search you, to, um, it causes mistrust. And uh, the police think we are the enemy for some reason. And I don't want to be the enemy of the police. Uh, right. But... I don't think I have a choice. Thank you, Dr. Allen. That's the kind of stuff that Eugene fought the hardest against, Dr. Allen, and and I know that you identify with his struggles, and I, we really appreciate you calling in. There? All right, well, thanks a lot. Yeah, I just put myself on mute. Thank you. Thank you. We love you. All right. Uh, I'm so sorry this happened. Right. I hope his family finds some comfort. Thank you. Thank you. You too, Dr. Allen. Have a beautiful Sunday. All right. We have um, just a couple more thoughts. Um, uh, Stephanie Landa, um, she was unable to make the show, but she loves Eugene so much, and she said, rest in pot is what she said <laughs> Um, and she also wanted me to let the listeners know that she's raised $2,700 so far this weekend to go on Plant Prisoners Commissary. Um, Eugene had a lot of belief in Stephanie and her mission to be able to help the prisoners with their finances while they're in prison. So if you want to help donate in Eugene's honor, um, that would be a very good cause to donate to. And it's, uh, what is the, her website, Mindy? Uh, Freedomgrow.org. Um, Yes, and there you can make a donation right to her website, the nonprofit 501c3, and then she takes the the money and she puts it right to Plant Prisoners Commissary. So you can directly help a plant prisoner in need on Eugene's behalf. I'm sure he would love for you to make a donation. So go to that. Um, in the meantime, she's a chalice. It's the High Times Cup in Southern California. Down slushies in order to help raise commissary money. And so far this weekend, she sold $2,700 worth the slushies. Uh, Mindy, is there anything else that you want to say before we get off the show? You want to say anything um, about no, Eugene? No, Kristen, I I don't know what else there's left to be said. I just I loved him very much. He was a very important part of our lives, and um, I'm glad that he's no longer hurting. I think that he was sicker longer than you know more sick than he let us know, and he was such a tough bird. And um, I'm grateful for my life. 
Well, I'm going to go into closing, and in my closing, I have a little list of things that I say, and I'm going to get into my piece about Eugene in a second. But first, I'm going to say, you know, Eugene went to trial, and he was found guilty. If one of the his trial trial took almost a year, and if just one of the jurors would have said not guilty, he would have been free. He wouldn't have to spend all that time in prison. So he believed in jury nullification, and he believed in the power it could have to affect a trial. Um, eventually and it could end the war. He also believed that we shouldn't be snitching and telling on each other. He had a ton of case, snitches in his case, like everybody does who goes to trial, stands up for those people who go against the government and fight for their rights and get sentenced to life sentences. That's why we have to end prohibition so nobody else has to go to prison for the rest of their life. Okay, next we got to thank um, all the listeners, all the callers, Becca for always helping us, all the volunteers, Mindy, of course, she produces the show. She's also the host of the show now, as well as me. Um, we also want to thank CCHI, um, who gives us this platform to have this voice. Okay, now I'm going to go into some rest in pieces, and I'm going to go with Eugene first. Um, there's a list of them. These are all people who have passed away in the middle of the war. First of all, um, my daughter, the other day, she posted a message because Eugene just didn't affect me or you. or it, he, he affected so many people. And my daughter said, Mom, I'm going to miss hearing Eugene every Sunday morning because I do the show from my bedroom, and she's in the room right next to me. She said, I'm going to miss hearing Eugene's voice. Um, but she put this message up. Mind you, my daughter's 16 years old. She said, rest in peace, Eugene, a man who really stood up for himself and others. Thank you for always being there for my family. We will miss you. That pretty much sums up what I have to say, too, because that's what my 16-year-old daughter noticed about Eugene. She was thankful that he stood up for her family and all the prisoners throughout the show that we have ex-POWs and current prisoners and friends and activists and family members of Eugene have all pretty much said the same thing that my 16-year-old daughter said in two sentences. Oh, but I could add thousand more things to that. I could call him a hero. I could call him a leader. I could call him a wise person. I could call him humorous. I could call him a friend. I could call him so many things that he was. But he was just a good person. A good person who cared about people. A good person who went to prison on bad, bad circumstances and made something good out of prison turned it into a positive experience, experience that is going to leave a legacy across our whole nation, beyond our nation, to our whole country, our whole world. And now that he's gone, his legacy is going to continue on past our world because his soul is no longer obligated to his body. So now Eugene Fisher, as far as I'm concerned, has the power, has more power to take his beliefs and his thoughts and his passions to the other side where he will be missed while he's on the other side. But now that he's on the other side, he's got so much on the other side there for him. 
I'm sure he has his ancestors. I'm sure he has all that. But he also has other war heroes of our drug war. They're with him. So now he has the power to help us fight from the other side. And on the other side, I'm telling you, we're, we're, we're gaining a very powerful crew. Like my father, Richard Floor. I'm kind of not happy that Eugene's gone, but I'm happy that he is on the other side because now he gets to meet my dad. <laughs> and you and I, Eugene, helped me get through the death of my father. He was my friend and helped me understand a lot of things that I wasn't quite getting. Because you see, my father, he died in federal custody, shackled to a hospital bed a few months into his federal incarceration because they didn't take care of him. The medical staff didn't take care of my dad. Eugene helped put that into perspective. And I had to take my father off life support while he's still shackled to a bed. Um, and I'm just glad that my father is out of misery. So rest in peace to my father. Next person I'm going to say rest in peace to is Gary Shepard, who I know Eugene and Gary are out there hanging out because Gary's niece, Stacy, told me so. <laughs> and Gary's niece, Stacy, drives a big green bus across the whole entire nation to help end the war. And she knows a lot, trust me. She's very, she knows. She knows that her Uncle Jerry is up, up in heaven with Eugene Fisher. See, Uncle Jerry, Stacy's uncle, he was shot down by the federal government over 20 times. While he stood next to Mary Jane Jones, who was also shot down by the federal government as she held their baby son Jake in their arms. So now we've got three of our heroes out there fighting from the other side, along with Jack Hare. Jack Hare, who wrote us a book, who taught us all about the plant conspiracy. Um, I'm sure if Jack Hare was alive right now, he'd be fighting for the prisoners. I know it. Everybody always argues on Facebook, oh, Jack would want this or Jack would want that. Well, according to his book, Jack wouldn't want anybody to go to jail for a plant. So now, now Eugene gets to be hanging out with four of our heroes out there. And also, oh my gosh, you guys, when Eugene was um, in prison, he had a friend by the name of Bill Lamorte. Bill Lamorte was serving a life sentence for cannabis, and Bill Lamorte died um, 20 years after his federal incarceration. And Eugene was friends with Bill. But what's so special about Bill Morte is that he passed away on the 4th of July, um, which was a holiday that Eugene took in consideration as not necessarily a bad one, but he had very mixed feelings about the 4th of July. And one of it is because his friend Bill Morte died from major heart attack. Eugene said he grabbed his chest and fell to the ground, which means so much because now Eugene gets to hang out with his friend Bill Lamorte. Um, on, now they're both ultimately free. Bill is free from his federal sentence, and Eugene is free to be able to spend some time with his friend. Also, Peter McWilliams, who is a civil rights leader. Um, Eugene didn't know Peter, but they were both civil rights leaders. They both fought for our civil rights. Peter fought for our civil rights on a few different levels. Um, he was a civil rights activist for our, our plant, and also he was a libertarian who fought for our, our, um, our laws, and he also fought for gay rights. Peter died before he died. He wrote books that left us inspirational books about death. But Peter also, he was on federal probation when he died, and he wasn't able to consume the cannabis. And the cannabis helped him with his nausea. And they say that he died choking over his own vomit. Um, next is Larry Harvey, who Eugene Fisher had heard about Larry's case, the Kettle Falls Five, and he just wanted to help them. But what Eugene didn't realize is I lived in the same state and was trying to already help them. But Eugene was so concerned. Um, 
and was so impressed that you that Larry Harvey was taking himself out to D.C. to try to fight for for our federal laws. But Larry died in the fight, and his whole family is still facing charges through the kettle. They're called the Kettle Falls Five. You can Google them. Also, we want to say rest in peace to D. Young for giving us Adam. Adam's been listening on the show this whole entire time. Adam and Tony, they love Eugene. Um, and Adam's going to be helping us um, with helping to remember Eugene soon. But thank you, D. Rest in peace. Um, I know you're out there hanging out with Eugene, and that's cool. It gives us all peace in our heart to know that you're there with all of our other heroes. Um, also, rest in peace to Curtis Cecil, whose father called in today. Um, from prison serving his life sentence. Um, Curtis Cecil died in the middle of the drug war without his dad. And now we know that Eugene is not just a mentor to us, but he can also help mentor Craig's um, son and tell him, hey, your dad, we're helping your dad on earth and so that, you know, things can help be smoothed out there. Also, rest in peace to Spencer Coptis and Cassie Hyde, two little children who are using the plant to cure their brain cancer. But when their caregivers were raided, that their parents didn't have access to the medicine anymore, and they passed away in the middle of the war from brain tumors. Also, rest in peace to Bernardo Funer Martinez, who was trying to help in the drug war on a worldly level. Um, he was traveling to different countries, which reminds me of Eugene. Back when Eugene was importing it into our country, he was traveling to different countries. So um, it's cool that they're all out there together and can um, have a greater perspective on our, on our galaxy. Um, Elaine Sammons, who is an ONAC tribal member, um, she was getting a, a package delivered to her. And the post office intercepted it, and Elaine didn't get the medicine she needed. She passed away in the middle of the war. Um, and she had an advocate, Joey Graves, who came on our radio show and to tell about her story. And um, Eugene actually <clears throat> loves Joy, loves the, the ONAC tribe that she represents, and has a lot of fond memories about the Native Americans in prison. You can check later, uh, earlier shows of us to find out more about those. And rest in peace to Oscar, who was Eugene and George's friend, who they say went to FCI in the sky. Um, you guys, this this uh, rest in peace list is getting very, very long. Um, so we just got to stop in the war so that we don't have to add any more people to our rest in peace. And we have to end the war right and out because Eugene doesn't want any of his friends to die in prison. And we can't have that in, in 2016. Um, we got to get all of his friends out of prison who are serving life sentences and even little short sentences. And thank you for listening to our show. And thank you, world, for sending Eugene our way and to help help end the war for everybody. Um, next, we're going to play a song. Um, you, Mindy, do you know where we'll find um, these walls around me? Uh, On the... I think that would be a cool song to play. Let me see if I can find it. This song is from one of our plant prisoners. Uh, Mindy, what's his name? Because I am so out of it. Carrie Woolsey. Okay, that's what it's under. It's under Carrie Woolsey. Um, So this song is from sung by Carrie Woolsey. It's called These Walls Around Me. And Carrie is on his 13th year in prison for cannabis. Um, oh, it's not on here no more. Okay. Well, we're not going to play yeah, that one. I, I have it, hon. I see it. Okay, I'll we, play it. Okay. Check out this song and have a beautiful Sunday. Thank you for listening. I've got these walls around me, so 
Just dreaming, maybe just a feeling. Someone to call. 